0: And uh, I'm a math person, so this is something I'm thinking of. Brian's smiling at me. When you have like a tiny bit off, the further you travel, the further the distance from your original point. So if you're you're one degree off, the tiniest bit, and you're going a few feet, it's not much. But if you go a mile, who knows how long that actually distance is. I unfortunately didn't do the math. I wish I had. But the further you go off trajectory, the further you are from the path. All right, so now something I want to look at are some of the causes that we have, some things in our lives that may not necessarily necessarily have been our choice and may be good things in most circumstances, but can still cause us to lose our focus on the Lord. And that's actually the first one. Uh, Loss of focus. Essentially, something takes our eyes off of the Lord. Something becomes our primary focus or center of our lives. James actually spoke on this two weeks ago, which is kind of what gave me th- got me thinking on this. Uh, Ch- Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We have to be willing to say nothing else is the center of my life but Christ. And actually, I uh, heard it a while back uh, from a speaker in school we shouldn't have God as our top priority, as the first thing on our list. Because as you get further down the list, the further away you get from him. He should be the center of our lives, the center of everything around us. Because when we focus on him, everything else begins to fall into place. Another cause, potentially, is burnout. Now, it happens. Sometimes something comes up. You have to work. You have to get it done. You work hard. Give, give it your all and you're just tired. You you have nothing left, and you just need to recharge. There's nothing wrong with that. That is completely normal and sometimes good. Sometimes you need to burn out so you can recharge and refresh and get yourself back on track. But if you're burning yourself out so much that you can't do the basic things of a regular devotion time with the Lord or going to midweek Bible studies, then that can really become a serious issue. Uh, I did a quick uh, search through the book of Psalms, book of psalms alone there are over 11 times where it says some sort of variation of i will meditate on your law i'm sure we can all think of at least one or two passages of those 11 but it's just interesting to me that there are over 11 times in the book of psalms that he says i will meditate on your law it's not just enough to read it and i say this not to anyone but myself in particular specifically because i know it's something i personally struggle with i sometimes have a time of devotion, I read it, maybe think about it for a tiny bit, not really enough, and then an hour later, I don't even remember what I read. It's just like I try to think about it. You know what, I should probably be thinking about it a little more. I go back, wait, what passage did I even read? I can't remember this verse, passage, what actually even happened. It's, it is a really poor situation to be in. And I will say probably the top reason I do this is because I, I like to do a morning devotion when I first wake up. The problem is, is sometimes I have my alarm set so early that I'm still half-drowsy while I'm trying to do my devotion. And, I mean, sometimes I wake up, I try to wake myself up before my devotion. Sometimes i got to get myself moving, so I just force myself to do the devotion then. I read it, think about it for five seconds, and move on. And that is not the way we should be doing things. We also have the idea of, as I mentioned before, fellowship. Bible studies... Even if, it's, even if it's not a Bible study in particular, just hanging out with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, I understand. Sometimes situations arise in life. You have to take care of them. You exhaust yourself and then you just, you're burnt out. You can't, for whatever reason, attend Sunday morning worship service, a midweek Bible study, even just a time of fellowship. It happens again, but still we cannot allow ourselves to become so busy that we burn out so often that missing our our, uh, weekly study, missing church, missing our time of devotion becomes the habit. We need each other. We need our time in the scriptures without it. We become dull and when we become dull, that's when we are least effective and our minds can begin to wander. Last cause, something that I find very interesting and something that is sometimes addressed but not nearly as in-depth as I would like sometimes from, up, from the pulpit is a lack of struggle. The Lord allows struggles in our life oftentimes to help keep us on the right track. If you look at um, the life of David, unfortunately, it's an entire book or actually probably more than one book, so I can't cover it all right now. But just as a quick synopsis, if you think of the life of David, we have his initial anointing by Samuel and his defeat of Goliath. He faced an insurmountable threat, a giant. And because he trusts in the Lord, he was able to go through it and give glory to the Lord. Then later, he grows in uh, stature. Eventually, Saul becomes jealous and tries to kill him. David's running for his life, trying to survive. And because of that, he's trusting the Lord, going to him constantly. And he's praying, Lord, please preserve me. And the Lord does. And David gives him thanks. But then David becomes king after Saul dies. And be- things begin to roll downhill. If you look at a, uh, it's actually, if, it was kind of interesting. I did a quick refresh reading through the passages. If you could look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and so on, you don't need to necessarily turn there because it's basically it's through the end of the book. You see problem after problem after problem that David has to address and all of them are his own doing. Either he did he committed a sin and now has to deal with the consequences or he was negligent in his responsibilities and had to deal with the fallout of that. Again, it's David didn't have all of those problems his own personal creation problems when he was on the run and just barely trying to survive and needed the Lord for daily sustenance. No, no, no. These things all happened when he was king, when he had everything he could want and lacked for nothing. In fact, uh, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, the Lord, uh, you got hopefully most of you know the story of Bathsheba, but essentially the Lord says, you had everything and if this was not enough, I would have given you more. I've given you so much and would have given you more. And yet in that time is when David commits Some of his worst egregious sins, some of the worst sins in human history. So essentially, it's, I find it interesting. I find it in my own life. I see it here in David's life. When we don't have a struggle, something that is essentially forcing us that we realize our need for the Lord and our need to draw towards him. When that begins to alleviate or maybe becomes lighter, we begin to say i don't need to push his heart towards the lord and we begin to wander our eyes start to drift and that is the beginning of our beginning of our movement towards lukewarmness and uh simply going through the motions all right so those are some of the causes there are several more but these things just start getting the ball rolling these are not again you can use hopefully if you are diligent you can catch these causes and possibly address them. But if you don't, then you start rolling into some serious situations. First one, something that I find interesting, and I've done probably a thousand times, uh, who here knows the hungry man's prayer? Essentially goes, Lord, thank you for this food, in Jesus' name, amen. It's basically the checking off the box of, okay, I've prayed for the food, now I can eat. But prayer isn't supposed to be something that that is that um, reluctant, something a checkbox to be uh filled out. Jonah chapter two, verse seven, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Also in Ephesians chapter six verse eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer is crucial to our lives and is, in fact, one of the greatest gifts God has given us, short of salvation. We have the opportunity to go before the Lord directly, make intercessions for ourselves to thank Him. No mediator, no going to a priest, asking for forgiveness. We get to go directly to the source. But yet, when we begin to degrade it and become a chore, make it a chore. So much so that it's just, I'll do it when I have to, maybe right before I go to bed, right before I eat, like I was mentioning. It's just, it stains the beauty that prayer is in our lives. I mean, even Jesus himself recognized the need for prayer. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, so he, being Jesus himself, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I mean, I believe most of us are aware of this. The Lord Christ regularly got away from everyone, even his 12 disciples, just to be alone with the Lord and pray. So we have a deterioration of prayer, but we also have apathy. Apathy can very easily begin to creep into our lives when our focus isn't on him. Colossians 3.23, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. I believe as Christians, our work should reflect our faith because we do everything for the Lord. We realize that the Lord has done so much for us. And though he doesn't require anything to maintain our salvation, we still should have the hearts of, I will do whatever you ask of me because I know you've done so much for me already. But when our eyes drift from the Lord, when we become lukewarm... Essentially, our lives become a chore, doing what, like I mentioned before, sometimes if you lose focus or you're just burned out, everything becomes a chore, a responsibility, something that you just have to get through, not something that you you get to do for the Lord. And again, I would say more likely it will begin to show up in your spiritual life, but it can just as easily leak into your work life. Again, Colossians 3.23, it's not just addressing our spiritual lives, our service to each other and to the church, but in everything we do. Every act of our life, our work life, our family life, every single part of our life. i getting even deeper into this pit. You can also begin to lose sight of trusting in the Lord above all else. And it's Actually, uh, my last message is uh, following the Lord, trusting his path above all else. But if you're not following him, if your mind's not on the Lord and on his plan for you, then it's very easy to start making your own decisions. And as human beings, we typically make decisions based on what we think is logic or based on our own feelings, both of which are a recipe for disaster. Proverbs three, five and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths." The Lord's path is always the best, like I said last time, but we can't afford to let our gaze drift away and begin to wander from what His plan is, because, again, it's the best. Now we're getting down to the worst, the last and worst bit of it, sin. When we're in this state, we may not necessarily be in direct sin, short of just kind of not having our primary focus on the Lord. But when our primary focus isn't on the Lord, sin can become so much more enticing. And not only that, I'll admit I've actually used this in my own thinking when temptations come my way. I can ask for the Lord's forgiveness afterwards. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Sin is the reason Christ is on the cross. And if you don't hate sin for that sole reason, then you might want to rethink what the Lord truly did on the cross for us. Sin is the epitome of us falling away from the Lord. Even as believers, we can always come back to Him, but the mere fact that we've fallen away, especially as believers, it's a tragedy. And again, sometimes all it takes is a simple look away. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6 For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I find it interesting in something I've personally experienced, if I'm walking a straight path and I try looking at something, I'm not going to be going in the same direction I once was. I can kind of course correct over the time, but if I'm not focusing on the line I'm trying to walk, I'm not able to walk it. And as I mentioned before, even the slightest bit off, if you walk long enough, you can be miles away from where you originally intended to be. And I wish I could spend more time on this, but from all my timing, I'm kind of already pushing it. So we're going to move on. Certain actions that we can actually take. Now now that we've addressed what are potential causes in our life, and now that we have the idea of what dangers we are faced with if we don't address it, now let's actually look into things that we can do to prevent this from happening. And the first one I can think of and... I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but we need weekly reminders to refresh our relationship with the Lord. And that's why I love love having the Lord's Supper here every single Sunday morning. Again, it's not a biblical command that every Sunday morning you break bread, but that is what the early church did. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Again, we need regular reminders to get our focus back on the Lord because it takes far less than a week. Honestly, I need daily reminders, like my, like regular devotional time to get my focus back on the Lord. We also need not just time to, ref, like not just a time of remembrance, but we also need a time to be with each other, a time for each other to conf, to uh, confer and say, hey, I may be struggling with this. Hey, my thoughts, I'm not as on fire for the Lord as I once was. And I'll say this. I don't think it's anything to necessarily be ashamed about. If you recognize it and you want to fix it, then, I mean, I don't think, I hope I hope there are some here who have never experienced it, but I feel like chances are there isn't. But we need each other. We know what this is. The essentially, the lessening of the initial flame we have when we first receive the Holy Spirit. But again, um, we need each other. We need each other not just for comfort and encouragement, but we need each other for advice. Going back to Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We help keep each other sharp. And though we have the Lord, sometimes he can just as not, sometimes he may directly communicate with us what's to do. Sometimes he can just as easily use our brothers or sisters to say, hey, have you considered doing this or trying this or maybe changing this in your life? And, Sometimes that's the best op sometimes listening to each other is our best option. Proverbs 18:1 Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. Though we can always trust the Lord, sometimes we can't trust ourselves thinking that what we're doing is of the Lord. And sometimes we need each other to confer and say, hey, I've been thinking this. I think this is my best option. What do you think? And though, of course, we're all humans, we all make mistakes, it is so much easier to point something out and see the truth when you're not involved in the situation. I mean, we think about uh, sports fans. It's, uh, I personally don't love sports quite as much as everyone else, but I know it's like from back behind the TV watching the game being said, why did you do that? You should have done this. Oh, he should have done that. Why didn't he do this? It's so much easier to make the call when you're not the one actually making the call. And that's why we need each other. It's just sometimes a fresh perspective is all we need. And while we maybe we need weekly reminders that may help us keep on the path, sometimes we need, if we start to slip, sometimes we need a jolt to wake us up. And again, as I met, uh, I believe I mentioned this earlier, trying times in our lives are sometimes simply brought into our lives so that we can get back on track with the Lord. I know this has happened in my own life. And uh, actually, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Trials in our lives sometimes help us re- help us take a look at our own lives and say, oh, wait, what's, what's going on here? Why is this trial happening? I need to get back. You instinctively go back to the Lord and you realize I've been wandering from you. I've been wandering from the Lord. But sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, we need to be aware of this. Sometimes if we are so far gone, so far asleep, that sometimes... Well, sometimes we need a little bit of a nudge. Sometimes we need to be shaken back on. We need to be shaken to get back on track. Uh, If you, uh, again, you don't necessarily need to turn there now, but in Matthew chapter 25, we have the parable of the wise and the foolish versions and the parable of the talents, the distribution among the servants. And in both of these, the basic, the essential principle is being ready and acting accordingly, preparing for the coming of the unexpected, of the Lord's return. But essentially, I mean, we need to be awake at all times, constantly vigilant for what the Lord is doing in our lives. As a quick analogy, something I find very comedic and hopefully will help drive the point. uh, For those of you who don't know, sometimes we like to watch late movies as a family and my dad falls asleep. Now, sometimes, as soon as the movie's over, he instinctively wakes up. Like, he senses the TV's off and you know, gets up on his own. Other times, he's snoring, he's he's gone. So we try to wake him up in order to, like, you know, sleeping in that chair isn't going to do his back any, uh, any favor. So we try to wake him up a little nudge. Hey, Dad, poke him maybe on the shoulder a little bit. Dad, come on, it's time to wake up. Eventually, we need to start shaking him. And eventually, he gets up and startles and it's like, what are you doing? Why would you have to do that to wake me up? And we go, we tried everything else. That was the only option we had left to actually wake you up, unless if we went even more severe. But sometimes we need a serious fire lit under us in order to get us to jump up and see where we're actually at. And again, it's it's not a good thing that we need that fire underneath us, but sometimes it's necessary. And sometimes you actually need, sometimes the Lord brings that jolt into your life, but if you catch it on your own, oftentimes one of the best things you can do is maybe do something, choose to do something in your own life that may help jolt you out of it. Sometimes all you need to do is shake things up. I personally, um, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I like to do my devotions first thing in the morning, but oftentimes I'm too tired to actually pay attention. So maybe all you need to do is shake things up, like for me, possibly. Instead of doing my devotion, first thing when I wake up, get up, shower, eat breakfast, get myself ready for the day, get myself cognitively ready, and then spend some time in the Word. Again, devotions mean nothing if we don't actually meditate on them. Other times maybe just a little shake-up. Other times, maybe it's worth taking on a new responsibility, taking on a new activity, a new Bible study, a new time, even just a new time of fellowship with your brothers and sisters, a time when you can just say whatever's on your mind. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We usually use this passage to say that if your thoughts and minds drift away onto things of the world, mammon, money, etc., then your thoughts are on the Lord. But I would say use this to prove the opposite. It's just as true. If we can get our minds to be thinking of spiritual things, such as by taking on responsibilities in the church, so you're thinking about meditating on his word, sometimes that's all you need to get yourself back on track. But sometimes it requires a little more. Sometimes it requires a bit more sacrifice in your life. In First Chronicles chapter 21, again, I don't have time to read the entire passage, but essentially part of the portion after David becomes king, he essentially becomes proud and declares a census to be taken of all of Israel. He's warned against this, that the Lord will not be happy, and he wasn't. But David goes ahead with it. So the Lord brings judgment upon Israel for this. And David prays and the Lord relents and commands David to offer a sacrifice on a specific plot of land. So David goes, finds the man who owns the field and asks, let me buy this field from you. And the man goes, there's no need. You're the king. Just take the land, take whatever you need. I'll provide it. Consider it on my tab, essentially. But David says, I will not allow that. I will not offer a sacrifice to the Lord which cost me nothing. Because if you think about it, that is a sacrifice. It has to actually cost us something in order for it to be a sacrifice. And in truth, the Lord has always cared more about the personal value of what we're giving up than the actual value. In uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, we have the uh, widow who threw in two small copper coins. And the Lord says, this woman has given more than all the others who gave out of their abundance because she gave what little she had to live off of. So the Lord, our personal the personal value of what we give to him is so much more than the value of the what others may say it's worth. And again, we have to consider is uh what what matters most to you? Is it your time? Is it your money? Is it your Freedom at certain points. I would say think about it and possibly consider is it if do you need to sacrifice something that means more to you than the Lord so that you can get back on track. Again, one last action. Sometimes taking on more responsibility is your best option. Sometimes you just need to back away. Like I mentioned, burnout can be a serious issue and If you are looking at your life and realizing I'm really burning myself too far and I don't have any energy left to do the things that the Lord wants of me, then maybe you need to start giving yourself a little time off. Cut back on some of your responsibilities. I mean, uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 32. The disciples had just come back after doing many works and signs among the crowds. And Jesus says, okay, now let's pull away from everyone and get some rest. I mean... Even the disciples needed rest from uh, their uh, service to the Lord, doing signs and wonders that they themselves were doing what the Lord was doing in their lives. But still, I mean, every one of us has a breaking point. And it's up to us to figure that out and to know not to cross it. All right, so... This is a quick uh, closing remarks, final exhortation sort of thing. Um, I'm going to warn you all to be cautious, be ready, be vigilant in monitoring your life for potential threats that lead into lukewarmness because being lukewarm is dangerous. I mean, the Lord himself says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. And the danger lies in the fact that it is It's not as obvious, it's not as clear when you're not quite 100% on fire for the Lord. But it doesn't take much. That once, Once you start to slip, eventually you're going to fall down and sometimes if you don't catch it in time, it's going to lead you into sin. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this time. I'm going to lift up everyone who has heard this message, Lord. Your words and that uh, you touch their hearts, that you open them to uh, look at their own lives, to possibly consider things in their own life that may be drawing them away from you. Things that either, if they are already being drawn away from you, that they cut them off and get back on track. And for those of you who may look and see potential threats in the future that they may prepare beforehand. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word and warnings against these threats, Lord. Please help us, Lord, through this week and through the rest of our lives to pursue you above all else. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.